Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. And it is Sunday, June 7th. We are delighted that you are joining us on your Sunday. Today, we've got the second part of my interview with Michael Goodman. He is the president of Wealthstream Advisors. In the concluding part of our interview with Michael Goodman, we're going to talk about some of the unique opportunities that this period has offered, whether it is a Roth or a refi. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's the second part of our interview with Michael Goodman of Wealthstream Advisors. You and I have had a longstanding discussion around Roth versus traditional. And we get this question, I mean, so, so often. And the question I have for you is, can you give us a little bit of a rule of thumb, even about the Roth versus the traditional? If we, if you believe, and I think most planners, most people in your business believe tax rates are going up, why shouldn't everybody use a Roth? Well, I surely think the overwhelming majority of people should use a Roth because most people, when they retire, will be in a lower tax bracket because their income will drop. Not all, but most. And not, by the way, not only just rich people, there are even a good example is teachers who sometimes wind up in higher tax brackets in retirement with their pensions. Uh, so that's an important distinction. But most people should take advantage of the Roth, especially if you're young. And by the way, I also love the flexibility the Roth gives you because in the Roth, you're not required to take money out every year like the RMDs for regular retirement plans. So let's just say full disclosure, I called Michael like maybe a year ago or two years ago because I was talking about somebody that I met at one of my book signings who makes a ton of money. It was like more than a million dollars a year. And I said, Roth or no Roth? because she was offered an opportunity to use a Roth 401k at work. And, you know, obviously she wouldn't qualify for a Roth. And when I had asked somebody else about this, friend of the pod, Ed Slot, he's like, oh my God, no brainer, have to use the Roth. Michael, what was <laughs> your, talk about your position on this, because it's different. I'll give you an example. So here's somebody who's making oodles and oodles of money, and they're in the highest tax bracket right now, and they're going to retire at some point, and they're not going to have an enormous retirement account, but a big retirement account, and they'll have to take those RMDs. But you know what? They're going to be in a lower tax bracket, perhaps. And maybe they live in New York City right now, and they plan to move to a no-tax state like Florida, which is not uncommon. So there is the ability to get those deductions right now that helps you today. It's a, it's a tax benefit right now for you to do that. And when you take that money out in the future, most likely be in a lower bracket. And if you can plan that out, even with the expected increases in tax rates, and if you can project it out and feel good about that, then it, it will make sense. How about strange opportunities that pop up amid a crisis like this? Talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about interest rates. Interest rates are way down. Have you been hearing from your clients about refinancing or are people thinking about purchasing real estate now that, that rates are so low? The rate factor is interesting and it affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I would say that while rates have come down, savings rates have come down substantially, mortgage rates have not come down as much and mortgage rates have been at historical lows for a while now. So even if you're going to be able to save maybe a quarter or a half point on a refinance, if you're deeper into your mortgage and you're not going to you know, really 
get that much benefit and now reset the clock on a new term. And after the hassle factor and the closing costs, refinances are not always no brainers as people might think. Can you talk a little bit about some of the perils of a shorter term mortgage? Because this is what I've been hearing a lot from people who have 10, 15, even 20 year terms. But actually, when the blank hits the fan, the bigger issue is that, you know, they don't have any room because they're so much of their money is going to their mortgage. That's right. So I've spoken to some clients in the past where we've looked at a 15 versus a 30-year mortgage. And we've done the math because I've explained to them, you know, you could take out a 30-year mortgage and pay it back at a 15-year pace. Obviously, the interest rate is going to be a little bit higher. But if it hits the fan and our cash flow gets tight, you can revert back to the 30-year payment with no penalty. So it's truly something to consider. I do think that people tend to underestimate the benefits of that flexibility. I do too. And what's the worst case? So tell me a little bit about somebody who has a, let's just say someone who's got a longer term mortgage, you're into the 18th, 19th, 20th year. When do you usually start thinking about, well, okay, maybe this person can pay it down. We're always looking at the ability to pay a mortgage down versus the cost of the mortgage versus their longer term plans. And if somebody's going to be in a continuously high tax bracket and they're going to actually be able to itemize, well, that's something to think about. Two is the psychological elements. Mm -hmm. There are people that like to line up paying their mortgages off with retirement. So we're careful with that as well, because psychologically, that feels really good going into retirement with that being completed. Is there a financial case to paying down a mortgage if you're sitting on a bunch of cash and the cash is really getting bupkis? Definitely. If you're a conservative investor or just refuse to put your money into the market and are sitting on a lot of cash that's earning less than 1% and there's a guarantee that your mortgage is going to be 35 or 4% or even higher, well, then to me, it makes sense to pay down the mortgage. If on an after-tax basis, you're going to be net in a worse condition. What is it about the idea of carrying a mortgage into retirement that you think freaks people out, even if they've got plenty of money? But is it just knowing that you have this obligation? Well, there's this great transition that people go through that they don't anticipate when they go into retirement, and that is that my paycheck stops. Mm. So you're used to every month or twice a month or every other week, depending on your pay scheme, this direct deposit coming in. Once that goes away, even though mathematically you know you might have enough money in savings and retirement plans, it scares the crap out of people. Do you find that in light of the crisis and the economic uncertainty, personal uncertainty, that there are some people who are now saying, you know what, maybe I'll just keep working? I think that that's been underestimated for a long time. You know, when I meet with clients and talk about when do you want to retire, I usually get one of two responses. One is, what time is it? <laughs> because they want to retire. <laughs> they want to retire the, the next hour. But more often than not, they don't think about it. As a matter of fact, I don't even use the word retire anymore. Uh, we talk about when do you want to plan to moderate your income? Or, or better yet, when do you want to plan to know that you could stop working? 
most people, uh, fortunately, that I come in contact with like what they do and enjoy the engagement. More importantly, once they find out that they can afford to retire, they don't mind working as much. I have one client that has his uh, retirement papers in his briefcase. They're completely filled out. They're just not signed and dated. He says that he's in the one bad day away club. He's just waiting for that one day and he'll submit them on that day. Oh, that's so great. I love that. I know you've got some clients who are educators. We've been getting a lot of questions from people who are part of municipal plans where they are due a pension. Do you fear for some of those plans because interest rates are so low and and states are under so much pressure? Do you think that people, I mean, if you have a pension, is it okay to just keep banking on your pension? I guess that's my question. I do believe, especially from a municipal scenario, that you probably don't have to worry. You should be concerned, maybe. You should surely be aware and educated around this issue. I have some clients right now that are in a union, and that union is suffering from some really bad mismanagement of the funds and never really recovered from the financial crisis. And they are going through the process of applying to the government to modify the pension. So it is a reality. I don't Mm. want to imply for a second that it's not. I just think that the governments uh, have a different ability to fund their pensions than perhaps a union or a corporation. Michael, we have gotten some questions from people who really did freak out in March. They're sitting in cash. How do they get back into the market? Well, they have to revisit what the plan is for that cash. If that cash is really for a long-term investment, then they should put that back in. The question is how. Maybe because they're pretty gun-shy or really feel a little burnt and beaten up from the recent market, they should probably put it in slowly over time, You know, a couple of tranches, maybe 25% every other month or so, something like that. The statistics imply that you should just dump it back into the market because the market goes up way more than it goes down. But the mentality and the emotional bruising might be too great for that. Mm, Yeah. You know, I always say to people, whenever you get back in, that's when the market will go down. So just let us know. The day before, we just want to know when you're going. No, I'm just kidding. But that does usually happen. People get really, um, they get freaked out. And, you know, it's funny when you look at your, the course of your whole investing life, a day here, a you know, a week here, uh, changes in the, like, they just don't make a big difference. There are also a ton of questions that we have been receiving about people who want to know, should they fund their retirement contributions sooner rather than later? Meaning, I'm going to put six grand into my Roth. Should I do it all right now? Should I keep doing it monthly? What's your advice on that? If your cash flow can tolerate that, you should always put in as much as you can as quickly as you can. Think about it. It's the long-term investment. Who cares what happens in the next couple of months? And that aside, statistically speaking, the market's going to go up more than it's going to go down. So you are always better off putting in your retirement contributions as quickly as possible, assuming you don't have to make some great financial cash flow sacrifice in order to do so. We also get a lot of questions surrounding the debt and the deficit and how people should be thinking about that. Now, my stock and trade answer is that, you know, now I, I just basically have been quoting Jay Powell from the Federal Reserve. Now's not the time to actually 
worry about the debt and the deficit, but what is it about persistent deficits and burgeoning debt that investors do need to pay attention to, or just any citizen needs to pay attention to? Well, I'm no economist, and you probably know some smarter people than me that could answer that question better. But I would say that in the short run, probably not a big deal. In the long run, what's going to happen is our overall government, you know, U.S. health is going to start to suffer from that. And in order to make those continuous payments, it's going to get expensive. And what will probably happen is the dollar will weaken as a result of that. And it could jeopardize our standing in the community. You know, even when our financial situation is not so good, the United States has historically been sort of the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. But going forward, that might not always be the case. Uh, So we want to make sure that our country remains strong and financially healthy. What is it about this current environment that freaks you out? I think the best thing that I've been able to do is to limit the amount of outside noise that comes in. I mean, I read the paper, I I follow the news and all, but I try to stay away from a lot of the excess noise and keep to what are really more of the facts and circumstances. The second thing is focusing on a plan. I think you should have a plan for yourself and your business and your health and your family and make sure that you're doing things on a regular basis to keep you along that plan. Uh, Because this will pass, we will all get back to normal. It's just not happening soon, it feels like, but it will. And we're going to have hopefully all have long lives ahead of us that we will get to enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Michael Goodman for joining us. If you missed yesterday's interview, then go back and just find it. You can go onto our website, jillonmoney.com. Or if you never want to miss any episodes, just subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, radio.com, Google Play, anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, it is Sunday. Really take a deep breath. Take some time for yourself. Lift somebody up. Do something nice for somebody else. Put your hands on someone's back. And of course, wash those hands, wear your masks, maintain your social distancing, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.